Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, and I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly, and what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a theme surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code NEXTLEVEL, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 69 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Next Level Showcast Spotlight, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crew Cast Pods, also from Next Level, I am Rob Martin. Um, we're going to handle tonight's format. We're going to handle this episode's format a little bit differently. Um, but real quick, on a real side note, I know it's not posted yet. You'll probably be hearing this before you hear uh, the next Caffeine Crew cast of pods. I have to say, Rob, I got to join you on this one, which was all about Harry Potter. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm really loving since we changed the formats. I think this is the second one you've done with us since we, we've done this. And, it is. Uh, I think more than likely it should be recorded by or not recorded. Um, it'll be edited and to you probably, I would assume, either tonight or tomorrow night. My guess is probably tomorrow night, so I would assume that'll be up there Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. Um, but because I think I'm going to mess around with the music and the intro music. I'm waiting on a response from somebody, so make sure I have the okay to use it. So. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. That was so. a, that was a lot of fun talking about spells and characters and moments yeah. from the books and the films and the spinoffs and and everything. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, like it was it was kind of this was kind of the first time we just looked at purely at a fandom, I think. And uh, since we did that, I, I think it worked relatively well. I mean, obviously we did that with Disney, but like we kind of did Disney is kind of like a history, and then you know, where it's changed. And this was kind of like just purely geeking out and enjoying Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. But I mean, we did get into some more of the, the thicker things, but I think it it was a really nice blend of people. Everybody either was like, you know, I was the odd man out that was like, I haven't finished reading the books, but um, so it was nice to have everybody have different perspectives. It was a really cool episode, though. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. Uh, also, one more side note. I just have to extend a big congratulations to uh, another member of the Next Level family. Uh, that be Pat Johnston. His podcast, The Melting Pat, this week hit its 100th episode. So uh, big congratulations going out to him. And we're quickly approaching that mark ourselves. Yeah, uh, uh, with here. our, our- our side episodes, we are 19 episodes away from 100. 
So from, from 100 in total, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, including all the annuals and the interviews and and, and such. So uh, yeah, we're getting close. Showcast has already blown past that. <laughs> um, we're we're well past 100 as far as Captain, shows and interviews. I think Captain Crew's going four years, and we're about to hit episode 40. <laughs> <laughs> but granted, that's who we go to a monthly format too. So yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, but, uh, Pat, I know he listens to this, so, uh, congratulations on your 100th episode. Uh, absolutely, man. man. Ha- happy 100. Uh, but the format of this episode of the DC Primetime Podcast, we're gonna handle things a little bit differently. We talked last week, uh, how we're going to talk, uh, Batman Telltale, uh, 2 has come out, uh, and Rob and I have both played it. It's, we discussed this a little bit. I, we're going to play the John Barrowman panel from Heroes and Villains Atlanta back in November as well. Uh, kind of like a, a farewell to John Barrowman, even though news it might not be. Um, but th- it's really impossible to talk about this first part, this episode one, without revealing any spoilers. And we really don't want to spoil anything for some of you listeners out there who have not yet had the chance to play it. So what we're going to do is this time around, we're going to do the news first. Uh, Rob and I are going to talk about the news here in the beginning of the podcast. We're going to do a little bit of an intro into the John Barrowman panel. We're going to play the Param- the Barrowman panel for you in full because we don't want you to miss out on that. It's a lot of fun. And then we're going to come back into things and we're going to discuss Batman Telltale. Because this way, if you haven't played it yet and you do not want any spoilers you don't have to worry about skipping to a time mark or anything like that you can listen to the Barrowman panel and then you can just kind of uh you know put the podcast on hold until you get the chance to play it and you can go back to it and listen to our opinions on it yeah, so I, I mean normally like i said this is a spoiler show i mean you know so that goes without saying but i, I with video games it's a little bit different it's been out not even a week at this point in time so we know a lot of you guys don't get a chance to find the time if you have families and whatnot to be able to do this stuff. We figured this is the best way to do it anytime we review, I think, one of these. Because we're going to try to do them as they come out uh, pretty much that Sunday. Um, so it only really gives you five days. So this probably will be the way that we review these going forward for the five episodes. So. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you right now, uh, no spoilers, uh, but the way episode one played out, man, I wish there was more than five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I got done playing it, and I played it last night because I wanted it fresh in my head for for this recording. And I got done playing it, and I literally was like, "Are there really only five of these?" Because this was amazing. <laughs> so I think we, you know what? I think we can do our rating before we go into it. Then we can do the spoilers by the end. Um, yeah, yeah. Real, but real quick uh, on a rating scale of. Uh, one to ten, one to three being sidekick, four to seven being hero, and eight to ten being legend. What would you give this episode one? I actually will probably say I'm giving this a nine, a legend. Okay, yeah, that's right around where I am too. It was, uh, it it was long, and I loved every second of it. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to going back into this at the end of this and talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but let's hit the news because there's not a lot, but let's talk a little bit about what's out there right now. Okay, so uh, let's just get into the thick things. We're going to talk films, and then we're going to kind of just transition into TV like we normally do, and then we'll cap it off with a story that's TV-associated, but one of those things that we finally have confirmation on that kind of makes me sad, and I don't even know if Ben knows about this one yet. I might not, actually. (laughs) So let's start in the TV universe, or film universe, as I said, and we're going to talk a little bit about Justice League Dark. Obviously, we know Warner Brothers wants to fast-track this film. We know that's in their their listings that they talked about in San Diego Comic-Con. They said this is coming. This is going to be coming sooner. 
Uh, but Doug Lyman, who was originally, you know, associated with directing this film that did things like Edge of Tomorrow, uh, has officially walked away from the project. This was before San Diego Comic-Con. And this is his just statement on the reasons why. He's like, you know, I develop more movies than I make. Uh, he's like, that goes pretty much for anybody that's a director out there. Uh, there's a weed out process. And it's just when you get to the comic book ones, suddenly everybody hears about them. He's like, so this script just never got to a place that was special enough for me. He's like, I love the idea. love the concept. And, you know, all the work we did, it wasn't for a lack of trying. He's like, so it was just pretty much not the right project for him at this time, especially with how busy his, his schedule is. Uh, I know he's got Edge of Tomorrow 2 coming up soon, so not a big shock, but hopefully uh, Warner Brothers will find a replacement for him soon. So uh, let's jump over to talk a little bit more about Wonder Woman, uh, and that being specifically the digital uh, HD release, uh, the VOD and uh, Blu-ray and DVD. So uh, that release for digital is coming out on August 29th, so just about two weeks away, give or take, and then September 19th on Blu-ray. But one of the cool things we did find out is the feature list. Uh, and actually, this is a very chock-full feature list for this film, but one of the things that really surprised a lot of people is an epilogue. Um, and now, this epilogue, nobody's really quite sure at this point in time if this was something they filmed back on the film set originally, or if this was something maybe during production of Justice League. But uh, the epilogue se- uh, section is called Epilogue Edda's Mission. And this is officially uh, Etta Candy getting the boys back together for a secret mission that could impact humanity's future. So uh, this does take place after the film and after, you know, Diana, I'm sure, has walked away. So it's just uh, the chief and uh, and everybody still remaining, you know, just uh, on their secret mission post-World War One. So very curious to see how this plays out. It's kind of a little bit more similar to thinking about the Marvel one-shot shorts that they did. Um, so I would love to see them maybe play with this a little bit more. So, But very cool. Uh, and then, like I said, we also know we're going to get a whole bunch of extended scenes as well uh, and a lot of making of director's vision sequences that they're calling um, that are going into Patty Jenkins' work on this. They talk about the Trinity pretty heavily, and then uh, apparently there is also a blooper reel. So. The blooper reel uh, would be fun. I love watching blooper reels. I do, too. So. Uh, but let's talk now a little bit of Justice League and specifically some of the news that has uh, hit this week, which there's been two big stories. And most of this is focusing around Joss Whedon and uh, specifically the role he has been playing uh, during uh, the uh, the work that's been done recently. Now, everybody's been talking about these reshoots being very, very extensive and a lot of people saying this is going to adjust the tone of the film. Uh, I know that was a lot of uh, rumors and speculation, but that seems like that is indeed the case. Uh, So specifically on how we found this out is uh, Joe Morton, who plays Dr. Silas Stone. Uh, Everybody also remembers is Dr. Miles Dyson uh, from Terminator 2, uh, who is playing, uh, you know, uh, Ray Fisher's uh, Vic Stone's cyborg, uh, his father in this this film. So and he did say this specifically very recently. He's like, I know that with Ray's character, the young man who plays Victor, there were some adjustments that they needed to make in terms of tone of the character. Uh, I think what they heard was there was a need uh, from the studio to lighten up the film in uh, in a couple small ways. And with Cyborg's role specifically, his character felt too dark. So this is allowing them to lighten him a bit. I don't know what that means in terms of how it actually gets translated in terms of reshoots from what they've done at this point in time. But that's what I've been hearing. Uh, he's like, uh, and that's also what some of the reshirts are indeed about. Um, so he was saying, I mean, it's kind of an odd quote because he's kind of like, I'm hearing this and that's what they're about at the same time. So um, it makes me wonder if Joe Morton has any role in 
in these reshoots because it sounds like his is actually coming from a place of speculation a little bit as well, uh, but not quite entirely sure. But it sounds like this is more confirmation that they are lightning tone. Um, and it's and from what we've been seeing, it sounds like, and I've seen this from several other sources at this point in time, a lot of it is revolving around Cyborg's character. So I, maybe they're trying to make him a little bit less broody. Um, because Cyborg's always been a character that he's a tragic character, but we always see him end up being a very hopeful one. So it it, um, it sounds to me like a, a lot of this stuff. <clears throat> I, I don't want to say for sure, but it almost sounds to me like that uh, we're getting a lot more changes out of this movie with Josh standing in, uh, stepping in uh, to taking over uh, for Zach than we thought we were going to get. But you know what? I don't think that's a bad thing. At I, all. I don't either. I'm actually very pleased with that, and it makes me more hopeful for the movie. Yeah, and I think Joss knows what's what's going to bring a lighter tone and a lighter feel. And I, you know he looked at Wonder Woman and said, how do we make it feel like Wonder Woman? I mean, I think that's a great thing that they still had plenty of time to work on the reshoots. They still have several months to get things finished up. I'm sure the majority of the effects work is well almost complete, with the you know, exceptions of what they're working on now. But in addition to that, though, it sounds like the ending was also scrapped uh, from a second source that they were saying a little bit about the reshoots. But uh, more specifically on how this plays out, it sounds like originally this film was going to have a very cliffhanger heavy episode. And a lot of it, as everybody's stating, is revolving around the arrival of Darkseid at the very end of the film on Earth. Uh, maybe, And it sounded like it was kind of in front of the league where it was just kind of like this comic book end and it's kind of like, we'll see you guys in a year or two kind of thing. Um, but it sounds like based off of where the DC film slate is right now, they wanted the rest of these films, which we know Aquaman takes place after the events of this, time for those characters to breathe in the films that are going to be coming up still. Instead of saying, you know, now Darkseid comes in, that means Justice League 2 happens, and it's making people constantly play with their head as far as where everything fits into the framework. And I think this is the right move. Um, so this film is only going to deal with Steppenwolf uh, and Apocalypse, and they said if they maybe feel that they don't need to do Darkseid yet, but like this is the tease for things to come down the road, um, that they can still do another villain of, of, of different sorts in two if they chose to. So I think that was exactly where they felt was the right call at this point in time, and I actually really like that idea. I think blowing the rod with um, with Deathstroke, or not Deathstroke, uh, Darkseid, that close uh, to when, you know, Infinity War and Infinity War 2 is going to be happening maybe is a better idea to put some distance so there's not too much of everybody looking at, hey, look at Thanos, look at Darkseid. It essentially feels like the exact same character, you know. Well, you know, not obviously for the people that know Marvel and DC, but to the people that aren't as familiar with the properties, uh, I can see being some confusion. Well, I mean, not only that, but, um, you know, if you look at the... the, the uh... The, the layout that Marvel put out to it, I mean, you know, this has been a 10-year process for Marvel to get to Thanos. So uh, DC going that quickly to Darkseid, I think uh, – I wouldn't look at it as in like, okay, here's the comparison to Darkseid to Thanos. I would look at it as in, okay, DC is trying really, really hard to catch up to where Marvel is really, really quickly. So, I mean, because you look at, you know, Marvel has set out this 10-year path to get for that, that started with Iron Man and is now getting to Infinity Wars with Thanos. And then you have DC that Man of Steel started was, what, 2013, 2014? You know, you're getting it in a 
you're getting to their universe's big bad in much less a shorter of a time. Yeah, in, five to like eight years. And in and in much weaker films. Mm-hmm. So you <clears throat> the payoff isn't gonna be as strong either. So right. I, I think if you want this to work and you do eventually want to get to Dark Side, you've gotta give it more time. Yeah, I mean I, I, I see that point. It's also at the same time too, I think uh, you know, you did see it in DC's uh you know, not in Rebirth, but when they did the new 52, the very first Justice League story that's meant to be a jumping on point was a dark side story. Um, same thing with the animated series uh, Justice League War, which was kind of retelling that, um, where this is the thing that forces the Justice League together and they introduce you to the characters for the first time. So I can see both sides of the spectrum. But I do think that you're right. There's th- That does feel too much like on the film side of things, trying to play catch up. Uh, but at the same time, though, too, I think it's uh, really wise that they... Say, here is Steppenwolf. There's the whole, you know, Jack Kirby, New Gods kind of stuff out there. Uh, and saying, this is what the greater DC world is like. And then let's pull pull back a little bit and, you know, go into the small things. And I think that's the right move. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this is a really smart, intelligent move. And I'm sure this is coming from Joss. So uh, I'm very, very happy that he's a part of this and making these calls. So, yeah. Uh, so, speaking of uh, some films, though, too, there's one last thing we have to touch on, and that is uh, a little bit about Kirstie Clemens, who we know is playing Iris West in the Flash film. Uh, and she actually said a little bit about some of the things that were coming up uh, recently in an interview uh, for a film that she's promoting called The uh, Only Living Boy in New York. And uh, during a conversation with Collider, she was saying, you know, uh, as far as what Flashpoint uh, you know, is and what's going on and the status of it, she's like, no, it's just, she says, quote unquote, it's a step in a direction. Don't ask me any questions. I don't know what's happening. OK, just joking. <laughs> but then she said, actually, you know how all this planned out was she actually only found out very shortly before San Diego Comic-Con uh, that she knew that this was happening. But she said, yes, it is 100 percent definitely Flashpoint. But she also said the script is done. Uh, and that is really exciting. Um, that was why they were holding and waiting uh, at that point in time, because since multiple directors were in and out. Uh, and they're still looking at things, and they decided, hey, we need to go back and look at everything that's happening with things. They looked at Lord Miller's script, and they did say, specifically, it was way too close to what was already done on the TV show, and they said it just caused way too much confusion. And they thought it would actually really bother some people, the fact that, like, why are we telling a story that's already been told in a really wonderful way? And they said Flashpoint was something that they thought they could look at and tell an origin story in a fun, unique, different kind of twist. So so jumping over, speaking of The Flash, let's talk a little bit about season four that's coming up, which is crazy still to think. Uh, But we know uh, another new villain is joining into the mix. And this is a a character that was a part of, uh, originally came in from Infinity, Inc. uh, And actually was drawn and originally designed by Todd McFarlane. And that is the character of Hazard. Uh, and that is the character, uh, some people may know her as Rebecca Sharp. Uh, but she is actually kind of a very interesting character. Her powers are very much luck-based. And she can manipulate probability. So uh, it sounds like a very fun character to have in the mix. I'm actually not as familiar with her. I did a little bit of reading, but really kind of excited to see where this comes from. But uh, we know uh, who is actually going to be playing her, and that is uh, Sherilyn Beard. And she is actually from a film called Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which is a lot of fun. And then The Amazing Spies. I, I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not familiar with with this character at all. So, uh, I'm not going to look up. I'm actually going to wait and uh, and and yeah. see and see what this character is right as I'm watching. 
Yeah, uh, and the cool thing is, too, uh, I, there have been shots of her on the streets in, in full costume uh, in Vancouver, and uh, it is 100% accurate to the Todd McFarlane design. It is a it is a really cool kind of old-school 1950s-looking casino worker. Like, it, it's kind of got this vaudevillian look to it and just very flashy and fun. But uh, it, it's such a very fun, unique design, and I love the idea of somebody that can mess with probability. So I think that'll cause for a very unique episode. Uh, so let's jump into the, uh, you know, talk a little bit now about Arrow Season 6. And let's start this off in actually kind of an interesting way. Uh, and that is actually kind of like Arrow 5.5. Uh, and what I mean by that is we found out that Mark Guggenheim is actually writing a novel right now that is actually going to tie together the events that happened between Season 5 and Season 6. And we did find out, I think right now, we don't know when this book is slated to come out. But uh, the synopsis for the, uh, this book is this. The untold story bridging between Arrow Season 5 and 6, exclusive to this novel, in the devastating aftermath of Season 5, Team Arrow must resume their mission to protect Star City. Those that have survived Chase's trap on Lianyu discover that his plans did not entirely end there. If his legacies aren't stopped, countless more will die. Um, oh, actually, there is a date here. It sounds like it is coming out in January 2018. So this will be after... The new season has already started. It's probably right around the point that we're hitting midway through the season. So, or come right before we come back after. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say at that point we're probably still gonna be on break, if not just ready to come back from it. Yeah, probably around like episode nine, ten. I think is where we fell last year, give or take. I think. So yeah, so right around Christmas breaks uh, returns. I don't know if it'll be that late though. I mean, because it, that far into the season, because don't forget, last season we start, we came back in September. This season we're not coming back until October. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, so yeah, it might be very early on. So it's a it's a big wait and see. So, um, but we can take a look now too at some other things happening in Arrow this coming season, and that is a little bit of what's what's happening with Slade Wilson's character, and that specifically is him being reunited with his son. Uh, now, obviously, as soon as I say that, a lot of people are like, "Oh, holy crap!" They're bringing in uh, you know Grant. <laughs> so uh, so that obviously means Jericho is most likely coming into play somewhere here. And the big question is what version of Jericho we are going to get. Are we going to get the character that's been more of the Titan's ally or the antagonist? I would assume we're going to see more of a villainous Jericho, I believe, in this. But the big question is if they're going to play the character as mute or not. So kind of curious to see how they play this up. So, uh, And moving into a little bit final discussions here about Arrow. Somebody that's coming back is somebody I didn't expect, and not sure how I feel about it, but that's Jessica, <laughs> uh, Jessica DeGau, Huntress, Helena, uh, Helena Bertinelli, coming back into the mix is somewhere in Season 6. Uh, now, we do know Mark Guggenheim does love working with her, and if anybody remembers long discussions to the annual we've never done, that being specifically for Arrow Season 1, um, one of the things that kept me from enjoying that show in season one that made me walk away before coming back to it <laughs> was the uh, the version of Huntress that we saw. I think the last time we saw her was season two, I believe. Um, so very curious to see how this plays out. But uh, now, obviously, that the tone of the show has changed. They've, they've worked out a lot of the kinks. I am kind of hoping that we, we do get more of an interesting version of this character when she does come back. So we do know that... Uh, they want to make it happen. It's not a done deal, but they did say we've got some plans that work well for her character for the later half of the year, but nothing is official yet at this time. So, All right, so let's get into Legends of Tomorrow. We only have a couple stories here, then we'll uh, turn it over to Ben. But before we do that, 
Uh, we have some casting news now coming in for uh, Black Lightning. And that specifically is we now know who is playing Tobias Whale, which is the big bad of the season. And this, I, I apologize if I kill this name because I'm not <laughs> exactly sure because I haven't listened to interviews yet. But the rapper by the name of Crondon, or it's Crondon, I don't know how it's stated, but is uh, the person that is indeed coming in and playing the character. And we did find out this specifically. Uh, this did come from, I believe, the execs and the showrunners for uh, the uh, the season. So they were saying they were really excited about his audition. Um, and this is, you know, one of those things that this is coming from uh, Salam Akil, who is the executive producer for the season. They said he is going to make an amazing Tobias. His authentic street sensibilities, along with his insightful intelligence, is perfect for this character. He's got a very regal physical bearing, uh, you know, too as well, which will be a great addition to making the show just very exciting and drastically different than anything that's been done so far with the DC shows on CW. So um, now, the last thing we have to talk about is kind of associated with Legends of Tomorrow, but at the same time, well, I guess it kind of is, but it stems from a different place. And that is talking a little bit about Vixen Season 2, the animated series, something I actually still have yet to watch. Um, but they did say some events that do take place during Season 2 when she does team up with the Atom actually do need to be reflected a little bit in Legends of Tomorrow, very specifically with this season's Big Bad, which we do know is Vixen's sister. So we, they did say those things will indeed be addressed from uh, the events that did happen, uh, you know, in the animated series. So they said that conversation will indeed take place. They will address a lot of the things that are happening there. And they did say that does give them the ability now to look at things like the Ray, uh, which obviously is not Ray Palmer, but the character of the Ray, uh, as far as that animated series, when that does come into the picture too, where they can actually start bringing these things into play with the rest of the shows. And the last news story for this week, actually, no, it's not the last news story. <laughs> I take that back because Ben did bring up something. Do you want to drop that here? Uh, no, you know what? I'll save it for last because it's related to the panel that I'm going to talk about and we're going to introduce. Absolutely. That works. Uh, but you know what? There's another little side thing I realized I forgot to bring up, too. Uh, the last of the first uh, of the first season pack for Injustice 2 just officially came out this past week. If you have the uh, season pass, we now have... The full new editions being Red Hood, Starfire just came out this past Tuesday, and Sub-Zero is out from a couple weeks back. Uh, there has not been an official announcement. I would assume it's going to be coming in the next week or two on what Season 2, or not Season 2's pack, but uh, the Fire Pack 2 uh, will probably be getting announced in just a couple days. I would assume either this coming episode uh, that we'll be recording or the one after. I'm sure we'll have news on that for you. But the last story for this week is the sad one, and that is a little bit of discussions from Tom Welling in as far as his future in Supergirl. Uh, he said, officially, I know Greg Berlanti quite well, and there have been numerous discussions, but they're very different worlds. Uh, he's like, you know, the idea, there has been multiple discussions about this idea of maybe bringing uh, my character of Superman into Supergirl and appearing in some sort of different kind of way uh, in the show, whether through a different universe, a different timeline. He's like, but ultimately, I'm just older now. I don't look the same. And appearing on that show as Clark Kent or even Superman for me just doesn't seem like something that would work. We, they, you know, Smallville in that show had such different tones, and I just don't want to watch myself do that at all at this point in time. So kind of disappointing. He was very, you know, joking and sincere about this, that he loves the also went on to say how much he loves Supergirl and how much he loved Tyler's uh, you know, job in this. But he said at this point in time, he just doesn't feel like it's the right move. 
or uh, he would be the right fit. You know what? I, and in all honesty, I, I'm actually okay with this. Like, I loved Smallville. I'm a huge fan of Smallville, and I love Tom Welling. But he's absolutely right. He's a lot older now. It's one of the same reasons why when they brought in Terry Hatcher, look, Terry Hatcher's not going to come in and play Lois Lane. Uh, you know, and Erica Durrance from Smallville is actually coming in to play a different character in this next season of Small, uh, of this next season of Supergirl. So, if you don't want to bring Tom Welling in as Superman or Clark Kent, I'm completely fine with that. I wouldn't even expect that because I think Tyler has been a phenomenal Superman for that show. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't like to see them bring him in in some way or form later on down the road. You know, we've seen previous characters and actors from previous iterations of these shows come back and play other characters from these shows. You know, again, we mentioned I just mentioned Erica Durrance who played Lois Lane in Smallville and who's now going to be playing um, uh, a, a recasting of Kara's mother. Uh, you know, so it's a completely different character. Bring in Tom Welling. Let him do an episode as Perry White. Yeah. You know what actually else would be kind of cool if they wanted to have some fun with it? Is uh, maybe shape his head and bring him his Lex. Oh my god, that would be fantastic. Because we haven't seen Lex yet. We don't know what he looks like. We saw him as a kid. I mean, obviously, it's, he's going to probably look a little bit too much older for the role. But you know what? It would still be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. But like I said, you know, yeah, bring him in as, as Lex Luthor. Bring him in as Perry White. Bring him in as... Um... Bring, him in, bring him in as Bibbo, for Christ's sake. I don't care what <laughs> oh you do. Oh my god. As Bibbo? <laughs> Oh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it was there, and I was like, use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, I would just love to see him kind of just make an appearance, you know, bring him in as a, as a one-off villain, whatever they need to do. But I think it would be such a great great opportunity for them. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So do you want to inter- – well, get into this last news story, introduce this piece, and we'll be back in a couple minutes on our time, not for them. Yeah, <laughs> so. sure. Uh, so um, lastly, going, but this is going back to Arrow a little bit, but uh, Mark Guggenheim has discussed the possibility. I know we've been saying we were going to save this John Barrowman panel. It's like a farewell to Barrowman. Uh, but he has recently discussed the possibility of John Barrowman's return to the Arrowverse. Uh, well, Mal- well, Malcolm Merlin died during season five's finale, seemingly in parentheses, uh, stepping on a landmine to protect Thea. Uh, some fans didn't believe that the ending was permanent. And if you know the Arrowverse, not everything is always that case. Um, but, you know, uh, it was basically John Barrowman is the one that put the word out that he would not be returning. He said, I'm very sad to be leaving the Arrowverse. I love playing Malcolm Merlin. And, you know, that that's it, really, uh, you know, because he talked about this knowing that his character was getting uh, was going to be killed off. Uh, however, Guggenheim has come out and said that when it comes to Malcolm Merlin and John Barrowman's return, that's up to John. Uh, we told John when we called him to tell him about the events of the finale. Every single person on all of the shows has come back in some shape or form. We've got flashbacks. We've got time travel. We've got parallel universes. Goodbye is never goodbye. He has an open invitation to return to the show anytime he wants. So uh, I and you know what? I grew to love. I mean, I was a big fan of John Barrowman even before Arrow, uh, you know, go back to Doctor Who and Torchwood and such. So I would love to see him return in some shape or form down the road. Absolutely. I just don't want to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be surprised. It really sucks because of our jobs. I know. <laughs> so it always takes a little bit of things away from us on that. I, wa- oh, I want to. I want to be surprised by. It. I oh, you it- ruined the layout. 
No, I know. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go for it. Uh, it's okay. I'll bring it up later because I have to find it. I just remembered what it was. It, it's it's uh, a completely d- different news story. So let's let's get into this. I'll bring it up when we come back in. All right. So uh, as many of you might remember, and if you don't, I'll refresh your memory. Back in November, I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta uh, to host some panels for Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, uh, which was a blast. I got to do the, uh, as we've dubbed it, the previously on the Flash panel with Rick Cosnett and Robbie Amell. Uh, I got to do the Arrow panel with uh, Paul Blackthorne, Charlotte Ross, Katie Cassidy, uh, David Ramsey and um, Willa Holland. Uh, I got to do the costume contest. But one of the panels I've always wanted to moderate, and I will never have a chance to moderate, is John Barrowman. Because John Barrowman does not use a moderator, and it's because John Barrowman does not need a moderator. If you are ever at a convention in which John Barrowman is a guest and John Barrowman is doing a panel, I urge you to go sit in his panel. He is one of the most animated flamboyant characters on stage you will ever see you will laugh your ass off he tells heartwarming stories he jokes he sings he dances more recently he comes out in dresses uh didn't get that when i was there uh but he 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 has been doing that a lot more recently and i think he's actually going to be i think they're i think they're going to be announcing him soon for heroes and villains new york new jersey in september so i'm hoping to get to to uh, watch his panels again there. Uh, But this panel is uh, about an hour long, so you're going to hear the full audio from that, and you're going to hear the full experience of a John Barrowman panel. Um, So, I mean, that's really all I can say. uh, So going into this, you're going to hear the John Barrowman panel from Heroes and Villains Atlanta. uh, And, Rob, unless you have anything to add, I'm just going to say enjoy it. And we'll be back afterwards to talk Batman Telltale. Yep, absolutely. Yep, just bring it on. All right, enjoy. Please welcome to the stage, John Barrowman. Hello, Atlanta! How are we? You're very subdued. Why is that? It's early? Let's get naked. Only if you're over 18. Oh, look, I can see myself right here. Oh, my gosh. There's a t- we're, on, we're on television. And up there, too. <laughs> you just wait, girl. Just you wait. Have I got some stories for you? Where are, where are our deaf friends? Where are they? Right. Hi. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. No, it's that way, isn't it? I think I just did something else. But you're welcome anyway. However you do it. Oh, you're in for a treat. Are you doing the whole thing? No, you do 15-minute switches. Yeah. Who's switch, who are you switching with? Right there. You guys are going to be exhausted. Is this for tonight? The drums and everything? Or is this for later? It's probably for later. So anyway, how are you? Good. Good, good. Um, 
It's nice to be back. Uh, I wasn't here for Dragon Con because I had a, a prior engagement, but this is just as awesome or even better because this is all about us. Um, uh, I was just uh, in the UK and uh, I was doing a big concert for uh, Disney uh, in the UK where I was singing a couple of songs and hosting. And if you follow social media, you'll find out uh, uh, when it all uh, is happening. It's uh, going to be televised on the, on uh, online, blah, 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 all sorts of stuff. But when I went over to the UK, something interesting happened, but I got to jump back a little bit. How many of you have seen the video online of my husband and I in the jacuzzi? How many haven't? So how many don't know the story? Do you want to hear it? <laughs> I'm going to see if he's backstage because he can help act it out. Yeah, he's right there. He's right there. So I'm, in, uh, I'm on social media. I'm doing FaceTime Live. Uh, and I'm doing a video. And when we're at our house in Palm Springs and in the jacuzzi or walking around the house and we're by ourselves... We're naked, right? Because it's, it's warm, and we are a married couple, and we just decide to walk around naked. So I get in the jacuzzi, and I go in the jacuzzi, and I get in, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to FaceTime to everybody naked in the jacuzzi. Hi, everybody. It's John here. Just want to let you know what's going to be coming up, and uh, things are going to be happening, and lots of fun, and all of a sudden behind me I hear Sploosh. I turn around, and he's in the jacuzzi. I said, did you just walk behind me while I was FaceTiming live and get into the jacuzzi? And he went, yes. I said, you're naked. And he went, I know. I said, you do realize that you just showed millions of people live. I'm still recording it this time, too. You do know you just showed millions of people your ding dong live, right? And he went, yeah, I know. I just saw Jungle Book. It was off and forget Jungle Book. Now they really know you're the king of the swingers. Hey, Scott. Scotty, come here a second. Come here. Come here. Watch this. This is how you this is how you sign you. Ready? I'll get him back later. Um, so we're doing the. Uh, I said. He's, I said you got it naked. It's gonna go all over the place. Well, little did I know, I left it on Facebook. I didn't say anything because I didn't think a big issue about it because. We're a married couple, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. It's just a nude body. It wasn't salacious. It wasn't a Kardashian video or anything like that. So I said, I just left it. Facebook took it down. But thank God for all of you because you made it go viral before they could take it down. Which is just awesome! But cut to England a couple of weeks later. I'm doing a concert. And when I'm doing concerts or I'm working in England, I always make sure that I go visit the in-laws. Oh, yes. So I'm at the house on Sunday, had Sunday lunch, Sheila and Sterling, Scott's mom and dad. And I'm sitting and we're having afternoon tea in the conservatory. 
And I'm waiting for the finger sandwiches to be brought out of the kitchen by Sterling, who's making them. Sheila's sitting with me, pouring a cup of tea. I have a cup of tea in my hand. And uh, Sheila says, John, I got a call from Jackie today. You know Jackie. She does love you. I said, yes, I know Jackie. She's wonderful. Well, Jackie called and she said, Sheila, have you seen what's on the internet today? And I said, no, Jackie, I haven't seen the internet because Sterling hasn't showed me the computer because you know I'm not computer savvy. I said, well, what's on the computer? She said, well, apparently Scott's cocky's all over the computer. <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm sitting having a conversation with my mother-in-law about my husband's thing, right? What do I do? I said, what? She said, you know, John, I do, do wish Scotty would keep his cocky off the, the internet, wouldn't you? It's been all over the newspapers here in London, too. <laughs> Sterling walks in with finger sandwiches and says, yes, well, apparently he's well hung. A <laughs> little bit of vomit in my mouth when that happened. So the, mor the moral of the story is, make sure your, your, your in-laws' computers are not working when you go visit them. Anyway, no, uh, what I like to do is get right to questions for you guys because you guys get to answer them and then I feed off of you in lots of ways. And it's a little difficult to hear in this building when you, so if you can make sure Mike's right in front of you, speak up loud, all that kind of stuff, it'll all be very good, okay? Go ahead. Uh, you just did a video for Holy? Yes. But how did you get involved in... <coughs> well, for those of you who don't know Holy, the video, it's a... Uh, uh, a video that's online to raise money for the... Uh, oh, don't go away. Stay there, girl. I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> David Ramsey, come here. funny and this is what happens on set when you do something crazy to John he takes it one step further I came in just to be cute kind of give him a little peck on the butt you know what he just whispered to me I farted <laughs> didn't smell though did it no oh why don't you go black and never go back anyway um true uh, look at a couple of women laughing though they're going <laughs> So, Holy the Video is, uh, if you need to sit down, I understand you have a, okay. a scooter there. Go ahead. Um, but the uh, Holy the Video is a video that's about equality. It's uh, trying be I don't want to mention political stuff or try to get into it, although we all have to keep our voices loud, no matter who you support kind of thing, right? Um, but uh, we made this video before, it was before the, you know, the election, and it was about trying to... Uh, teach and show certain groups of people, uh, and I, I'm just going to be blunt and say it, that the, the, the really strict fundamentalist Christians who don't believe that uh, I am who I am and the way I am because I was born this way, that we are. And it's uh, quoting things in the Bible and doing all sorts of stuff. And we did, we did it in a music video. And it's very good. It is. I got it. It is, isn't it? Isn't it? And all the proceeds go to the Orlando One Fund to help the victims. And their families. 
Now, it was my friend, Danielle Lepresti, who is uh, the singer, and she, uh, um, Danielle in the, Ma- uh, uh, Lepresti in the Masses, I think, or Danielle in the Masses, and she and her uh, wife, Alicia, who have this beautiful young son, Lucien, and uh, she just called me up. I hadn't spoken to her in years, and she called me up. We've stayed in touch through social media, and uh, she said, would you be part of this video? And I read the, the script. I read the words of the song, and I said to Scott, we have to just go do this. And so we gave up our time, went down, filmed it, and it's because I went to school with her, and she's one of the most gorgeous individuals that I know, and she's very loving, and I think it's a really good video. And if you have time, check my social media feed out. It, it, it's $1.99. We're not asking you for any more money than that, and it's, all that goes to uh, the fund and... You might, you might just enjoy the video and then spread it out there because we need to have it out there. Anyway, that, so that's how I got involved. Thank you for You're asking. Awesome. Thank you. In fact, wouldn't it be great if someone like just put it on their, their, their church's like video screen in the middle of the day <laughs> during a service? That would rock things up. Anyway, yes, over here. Hi. Hi, good afternoon. How good are afternoon. You? How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. And I just wanted to um, say that we love you and everything you do. Um, Thank you. I love me and everything I do, too. <laughs> but I was very privileged to meet Mr. James Mars oh, yes. in September. Oh, yes. And I know you've told us at some of your other conventions, but I wondered if you would talk about the kiss, the famous kiss. Between James Marsters and I. How many of you heard that story? Just a couple. Well, James and I, James, when James joined Torchwood, he was playing Captain John. And Captain Jack and Captain John were ex-lovers years ago. And uh, in this scene, I had to, we had to walk in like a spaghetti western. Captain John walks in. I'm standing there. We look at each other. Nobody expected this on national television in the UK. I don't think anybody expected it here in the US either. We walk up to each other like gunslingers. And we stand really close to each other. And then we go, right out of the blue. I got to kiss Spike. So, I told the camera guys, keep, just keep rolling after every take. And I told the director, just keep doing take after take till I say we're done. It's my show, okay? So we did it. Take one, we walk up to each other. And I told James, I said, look, kiss how you want to kiss. Um, I'm very sensitive to how, if it's not who you're used to kissing. I'm very sensitive about that. When I kiss girls, I'm very sensitive about that. All this stuff, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it'll be fine. It'll be cool. Walk up to him and I go, nice little kiss. And he walks away. And he looks at me and I walk away with a big grin on my face. Look at the director and do that. And he walks over to his girlfriend. He goes, hey, honey. So I'm thinking he's just got to reassert his masculinity there. This is good. And action. Once again, walk over to him, look at him, and I go, little longer. Cut. He walks away to his girlfriend. And again, so this is about take eight, okay? And I walk up to him, and walk up to him, and we go, and cut. 
guy walks over to his girlfriend. So I had a great time. Don't know how much fun James had. But later, he told us, he said, you know, I didn't realize that girls like to watch guys make out sometimes. When I went home, I had the best night with my wife I've ever had. She was so turned on. And I said, that's awesome, James. That's really cool. He said, yeah, it works both ways, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah, that's why some people go both ways. <laughs> Cut two. He's been married to that woman now for about eight years. Yeah, about eight or ten years, right? I got a message. Do you know what he says? Can you come and kiss me for a little while and spice up my marriage? <laughs> So he did like it, just a little. Thank you. See you later. Yes. Okay, so I'm a lot more excited about this question because there's a signer here, and I'm excited to see what she does with this. Um, Good luck, girl. <laughs> I'm um, on your side. I'm behind the times a little bit. I recently finished uh, David Tennant's run on Doctor Who. And uh, I was reading up about it afterwards and, like, reading interviews and stuff. And uh, the reason I'm most excited to be here is to ask you, is it true that you and David Tennant had farting contests on set? I don't know if David and I do it, but I know Steve Namell and I do. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I've probably farted with David. <laughs> but you've all heard the fart in my mouth and prove it story, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, wait. Well, David and I used to, it was more kind of, David and I did things like challenge each other in running because David had the big long coat and uh, I had a big long coat. I had cat boots on, heavy boots. David had Converse. <laughs> and he was always like, just a little bit ahead of me. I'm like, it's because you're, you're, you're the girl of the group. You got, the, you got the, the simple shoes. Try running in these. And then they used to do things like when they would be, we'd be running and there'd be a, an ATV, ATV, we call it down here, yeah? You know what? Like a quad bike. You know what a quad bike is? Yeah. They say it in Australia, quad bike. You want a quad bike? So the quad bike would have the camera on the back of it, but the quad bike, just to trick both of us, they'd keep going faster and faster. And by take six, we'd be like, slow down! Outrageous. Um, Stephen and I... Long scene, David uh, Ramsey over here, me here, Stephen Amell carrying uh, Willa Holland, taking her to the Lazarus Pit in Nana Parbat, right? And he's walking, Stephen's got a lot of dialogue. And he's got to talk to Rachel Ghoul, because I wasn't Ray yet. Uh, and we start, he's walking, walking, walking. And as we're walking, David and I are in the background and we're walking. And I say to David, David, and he says, What? And I said, David, I got a fart. He says, You're kidding. I said, No, I got a fart. He says, Well, don't, because it'll smell. I said, No, 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 mine don't smell. He said, what? I said, trust me. I said, okay, we hit mark, and the scene is still going on. And I go, David, I'm going to do it. Ready, 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 ready? And tried to make it look like Malcolm's doing something in the background, being all cool. I went like this. <laughs> to 
David, and he goes, David then, he's like, it doesn't smell. I said, I told you it doesn't smell. They don't smell. He says, how does that happen? I said, I don't know how it happens. Scene still going on. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. It just happens that way. So it doesn't smell, doesn't smell. And he's like, and cut. Amel turns around and goes, fart in my mouth and prove it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yes, we fart on set. The best is when it comes out accidentally. You'll be in the middle of a speech, and all of a sudden you just go, oh, oh, sorry. Take, cut, and, yeah, fart. Cut the cheese. Next question, yes. Oh, right here. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. I just have to say you have been very important in the last two years of my life. I haven't really been in the best, in the best mood. Uh-huh. And if I ever had a bad day, it would be started with listening to a song of yours. Good. And that would make the day better. Good. So it has been my dream to have you sing it live. And it's your song. Oh, um, I don't know if I remember the words. I can uh, find them. The what? You can find them? Uh-huh. The, this room is terrible to sing in, you know. Does it have to be your song? I suppose we Look can. at her, because it's my song, you greedy bitch. Uh, <laughs> see, you're laughing. Uh, let, me, let me see. I, I'll, I'll see. Kelsey can look up the lyrics, but I might have a treat later on, but we'll see about that. Right. I won't do it right now, but I'll do it later. Okay, that's fine. Okay? Thank you. Is that it? Yep. And you know it. what? Stop having bad days. <laughs> you're fine. Well, I just learned You to... look good. You're in cosplay. You've got all these people who support you when you're here. You're, you're cool. Thank you. Yeah. And when you do have a bad day, sometimes if you need more help, I know some people have, it's a heavier thing, speak to a doctor about it or whatever, but I have bad days and some days I get, Scott will come into me and go, how are you today? I'm like, I just feel like, I just feel like a duvet day. Yeah. I've learned to give myself, I give myself a half an hour and I cry and I scream and then I listen to happy music and we're done. Good. Good. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't let people watch you doing it, because then we all look a little cray-cray, right? But that's fine. The cats don't judge. The cats do not judge you. Gosh, I love pussies that don't judge. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> you're going to think of that every time you do. In the middle, you'll be like trying to get the angst out crying, and your cats will be like, yeah. You'll be like, oh, my God, I can't cry anymore. <laughs> okay, I'll, do, I'll try it later, all right? All right, what was your name? Amy. Yes. Hi. Hi. Okay, I just want to start with saying thank you for being here. It means a lot to all of us. Awesome. It means a lot to me that you're here. Thank you. Okay, we've seen you as kind of the clever hero running around saving people. Gorgeous hero running around saving people. Oh, of course. Excuse me. Awesomely iconic, handsome, wonderful. Perfect hero. There you go. Next. And then we've seen you as the... (laughs) Completely clever, smart, um, sinister villain over an arrow. Uh, troubled hero. <laughs> and I was clever, wondering... smart, also gorgeously handsome with fun hair <laughs> and a great outfit. Oh yes, <laughs> fabulous. Thank you. And I was wondering, which do you like more to play? Don't answer that question. I never answer that question. Two completely different characters. Two uh, completely different parts of John Barrowman that I use. Captain Jack Harkness was a life changer uh, and career changer for me. 
uh, because it was uh, it put me as it made me a household name in the UK and throughout the rest of the world in some sections of society. Um, it was also I was I'm an openly gay man and have been for a long time, and here I am playing a, an omnisexual, pansexual, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> hero who is uh, not judged by anybody. I was not judged by anybody, so it was a groundbreaking thing in television in the UK. Changed my life. It also led me to Malcolm Merlin because the producers, Greg Berlanti, Andrew Kreisberg, uh, uh, Mark Guggenheim, were all fans of Doctor Who. And they called me up in my kitchen in Palm Springs when we were having a break, Scott and I, a, a vacation, and they said, you know, their first words out of their mouth were, we don't know if you'll say yes, but we want to tell you about this show. And as I was talking to them, they said, go to this link. And they sent me the link, and I clicked on it, and Stephen Amell's picture went up, and I said, hell yes. <laughs> I will be a part of this. And I had one condition, I said, in the first season, I just want to do a scene where he's topless. And they did. They even put him in chains for me. It was awesome. I tweaked his nipples doing this thing. <laughs> He didn't. <laughs> but yeah, so they're two completely different people. One is a hero, one's an asshole, and I love playing both. Thank it's you. It's great. What? Thank you. You're welcome. I love it. When something's said that's a little risk, people are like, because they got to drive home with the kids, right? And the kids will be like, what did he say? Don't shut up, ask your mother. He didn't say anything. What was he referring to when, you know, skiing in the swing? Never mind. Yes. Hi. Hi. Uh, I love your, uh, I love Merlin's relationship with Thea, the father-daughter relationship. You must be a really freaky person. <laughs> it's one of my favorite storylines. I know I do. I love it too. And I was wondering on set, does that ever bleed over into your and Willa's relationship? Are you more of a mentor father or just crazy you? <laughs> I, um, it's weird for me to answer that question because that's a question that I think maybe they would be better answering. But I do think, I'm the oldest in the, in the group amongst all of us. I am the dad. <sighs> I'd rather be their daddy than the dad, and more so to uh, Stephen and David than to Willa. Know what I'm saying? Equality. Um, I, uh, no, yeah, Willa will, will, you know, she hugs me when I come on set. She calls me dad. Yeah. And uh, there have been times that she's asked and talked about stuff, and I've given her my advice whether she wants it or not. And, and the same with, with Stephen, and they give me advice. I learn things from them. So it's kind of a 50-50 give and take, but um, it's good, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I guess I am kind of the... The father, and, and now I've moved on, uh, not moved on, I've moved over at the moment, I'm on Legends of Tomorrow, and same kind of thing, it's weird, it's happening there, Neil McDonough and I are like, we're the oldest in the group, and they're asking, people are talking to us about stuff, and we're just saying, you know, giving our, I'm not going to lie to them, people ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth, right? You might not like what you hear, too bad. So that's uh, what I do with them, and Neil and I do the same thing, so yeah, we are kind of the dads of the group. Oh, Jesus. You know, I still feel like I'm 20. And so I'm, but I'm still crazy because I'll do some. Did you all see the, 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 the pictures from um, Comic-Con where it was Emily and I in every picture? We just went ah, 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 and started kissing. Everyone's like, what the hell are you two doing? I'm like, why not? 
And they went everywhere. If you haven't seen them, look them up. Look at Steven's face and Willa's face. The best. <laughs> yes. So we haven't seen Malcolm at all in season five. I know. Doesn't that suck? Yes. <laughs> what has Malcolm Merlin been up to? What has he been up to? Uh, I can't really tell you, but if you go back to season four, when he was helping destroy the, the, the I call it the Dome City, the and get everybody out, um, there's kind of a bit of turmoil there, there because all of a sudden Malcolm is helping, mm-hmm. but helping people, not just helping Team Oliver. And that's a little different. So I think Malcolm's gone away. Uh, plus, he's got no hand. <laughs> he's got this thing on his hand that we don't know what it is yet. And all I'll say is uh, you he will be in the 100th episode, but very briefly, because what the 100th episode is, it is, is about is completely awesome. And it's uh, different people's vision how they see people differently. That's all I'll say. Okay? Which is really cool. Um, and uh, Malcolm, after that, I probably won't be back in Arrow till the new year. So you got a while to wait. And uh, I will be in Legends long before that. And we pick up in Legends. Uh, Malcolm is, shall we say, at his lowest. And two people pop up in front of him and take him on a journey. And they all three go on this journey, and they happen to just decide, let's just build the Legion of Doom. (laughs) And they do, and that's all I can tell you. And we just mess things up for people. And it's nice, because in Legends of Tomorrow, it's a different time period, so Malcolm's a little different. He's really funny. (laughs) They've let me be a little bit more like me in it, which is great, because you have this man who's sinister and evil, and then he cracks a joke which is hysterical, because you're like, whoa, wait a minute, where did that come from? But anyway, it's good. It's really good. Thank you. Yes? Hi, I just want to say first off that I love you. Thank you. I fell in love with your voice before I even knew who you were, so I've just been in love with you forever. You Say it again. I fell in love with your voice. Before you I knew fell in love with my voice before you knew who I was. I heard you on a Sarah Brightman CD. Oh, yeah. And then producers. Sarah Brightman, friend of mine, thank you, dropped that name. <laughs> And then, of course, producers. You are awesome. Thank you. And I saw you and Scott together. I thought you were, like, the cutest couple. Great. What's, like, the craziest date you two have been on? (laughs) Scott! (laughs) Where'd he go? He's flirting with somebody. Probably found some military boy, and he's flirting with them. (laughs) Scott, if you could hear me, stop flirting with the military and get over here. (laughs) <laughs> crazy I've, it's the craziest date that we've ever been on what kind of Carol craziest date Scott and I've been on y'all know, oh come here Scotty y'all come on y'all know my sister Carol too come on on here Carol this is my lesbian sister she's not <laughs> we just all her kids and her kids for years when we were they were growing up they called her a you know, Mom, are you sure you're not a lesbian? And she's like, why? She's like, because you always wear boots. <laughs> no, Carol and I, if you don't know, we write uh, together, writing After team. who's the youngest and who's the oldest? No, no. Who looks the youngest and who looks the oldest? I look older. She looks younger. But she is older. And I'm younger. Um, 
crazy date. Someone's asking, what's the craziest date we've ever been on? Yeah, can you think of anything? Oh, yeah, with Cher. Our first date was Cher. Seriously. We, do you want seats? We were on it. We went. We just. We just met, okay? And we decided that we wanted. We're, I was gonna. We're gonna go on a date, and I'd made the date, and we were gonna go out. And we were gonna go eat at a restaurant called Morton's. I was doing Sunset Boulevard at the time, and I got a phone call from my agent that Cher was on the phone. I'm like, what? Cher's on the phone. She wants to talk to you. And I went, okay. And I went, hello. And she went, oh hi, John. <laughs> it's Cher. <laughs> I saw you in Sunshine Boulevard, and I thought you were amazing. I really want to do the show with you, so you're coming out to dinner with me tonight. I went, uh, Cher, excuse me. I've got my date with somebody I really like, and I want to go on this date with him. She said, are you sure? I said, yeah, i got to go on a date with him. She said, do you realize you're the only queen who's ever turned down dinner with Cher? I went, yeah. And I said, I've got another queen who's going to be with <laughs> waiting for me. And she said, why don't you just bring him along? I said, okay, I'll call Scott. I said, Scott, do you want to come to dinner with Cher? And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so we go to dinner. We have dinner with Cher. He's sitting across from me. Cher's trying to like talk to me. I'm like, Cher, I want to talk to him. Talk, talk, talk. We're having a really nice night. We get up that evening to go away uh, to leave the, the, the dinner. She says, walk me out to my car. And I said, yes. And she said, when... Is that the mic? Is that me? What? Who farted? So I said, she said, when you walk me out to the car, get to the car, open the door, lean down and kiss me. And I thought, okay, it'll be a prick on the... <laughs> Fart in my mouth and prove it. That, that sounded messy. You don't want that anywhere near your mouth. Got another mic? Yep. Here we go. What a way to break the flow of a story. So anyway, I walk to the car. She op we open the car door. I go to kiss her, thinking it'll be a peck on the cheek, and she does a James Monsters and me. She went, ah. So there's this picture in the National Enquirer the next day of both of us going, because as soon as we did it, paparazzi jumped out of all of the bushes and took photographs. And the next day, I was her new toy boy. And they're calling me for all these, uh, for, you know, saying, is it true that you're dating Cher? Is it true? And I'm not going to lie. I said, no, I'm not dating Cher. But I didn't tell them that actually the person who got in my car around the corner was this man putting his bicycle in the back and getting in my car. And we went home and that was our first day. That was kind of the craziest. Not many people can say they've been on their first date with Cher. What? Godmother. Yeah, our fairy godmother, Cher. Yeah. You don't have to stand out here if you don't want to anymore. Are you okay? He's very uncomfortable with this. Can you tell? Because he stands like this. Posing. Do you want to ask my sister anything? What? Don't talk about the book. She's swamped with writing at the moment. She's swamped. Very, very swamped. Very swamped. And having a really exciting time because we created... To, oh, can we, can we tease a little bit of things? All right. So we created these two really awesome evil couple in the new book. I mean, like super awesome, super evil that are amazing. And we're having a lot of fun with them. 
But you have to read Conjurer first, which we have on sale at our table. Shameless plug. Yes, absolutely. Um, come see the barrelman with the boobs. Um, at, I'm the barrelman. That's how we define ourselves. Yeah. My mom's going to have T-shirts made. We'll have one my mom will wear and one my dad can wear. Really <laughs> yeah. So, no, we're also working together on a Titan comic. And we've a Torchwood uh, comic for Titan, and we are we have something amazing coming with that. That's like available if digitally and also available digitally, and it's also available um, in hard copy. But the the arc we're working on for next spring, Don't you give that away. no, no, okay, never no. mind. No. He's gonna hurt me when I leave now because I even brought that up. No, put it this way, <laughs> you girls are gonna be very happy. That's all I'll say. And also, the boys will be happy, too. Seriously. Yeah, that's all we're going to say. I'm going to go, but he's done. Go, right, go. Okay, bye. Cheerio, bye. Anyway, so, uh, so Torchwood, and, then, and we're also working on something. On, I'm going to tease this, but something really big with Legendary. That's it. Yeah, don't say anything. Legendary, okay? Really big. Massively huge. Yes. Hey, John. Um, Hi. My name is Austin. Um, this question is more for my uh, sister who isn't here and has been a fan of you since Doctor Who. Okay. But uh, she wants you to sing something from Hamilton. No. <laughs> I don't know it all by heart, so I, I, I can't. Um, that's what all I can say. Sorry. You know. <laughs> I just thought da 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 if the fate of the planet was resting in the balance and there was no other way to save it. Well, it actually is. It's called global warming. No. Go ahead. No. <laughs> we could work that into the answer. Um, if Captain Jack had to seduce Merlin slash Raja Ghoul in order to save planet Earth, how would he do it? <laughs> well... Basically, Captain Jack would, uh, Merlin would kick the crap out of Captain Jack, and he would beat him up and make him, you know, pay for all his things that he've done, he's done, and then Captain Jack would turn around and make passionate love to Merlin, and it would be fine. That's all it would take? That's it. That's how the world would be saved. Make love, not war. Peace. Yes. See how I did that? See what I did there? See what I did there? Yes, go ahead. All right, so my question is, so Team Arrow has had a ton of heroes, but not so many villains lately. So who from Team Arrow would you most likely take to the villain side to team Felicity. up with Felicity. Good answer, me too. Definitely. Because if you go back and you look at Felicity uh, uh, and Malcolm, I don't know if you... If you if, to me, sometimes a lot of the story is told not through the words, it's th through the looks of the characters to each other. And whenever Felicity and Malcolm are near each other together, there, there is, we all, and, and Emily and I always say, let's put a look in here. And we do it. And we do this look, and there's a look from him like, I really like you, you feisty little thing. 
but I could break your neck right now, but I'm going to let you speak to me that way. And this is the kind of look, it's all going through her head. And then she's looking at me going, there's something I respect about you, but I would kill you too. And I try my best. I would put up such a good fight. And to Malcolm, then that's that look. And it, that's what I think there is. I think she's got a little bit of bad in her. Villain. Look at you guys all like, no, she doesn't. No, don't mess with Elicity. <laughs> Too bad. I would love that. I think that would be great. Yeah, just for a, an episode, a couple episode arcs. And then she like comes back too and makes out with Oliver. Anyway, yes. Hey, my name is Nick. And I don't know if you remember me also. Uh, I played charades with you and I was on your team. I was in the arrow costume. That was, what, a year ago? San Jose. San Jose, yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, but uh, I had a question. How do you think your, in your opinion, how do you think your character has progressed since the start to now? Well, he's, he's kind of, how's he progressed? He's still bad, but I don't see him as being bad. I just see him as being honest. And he says, says everything like it is. And he also, uh, gosh, he's... I think he, because of, of the, the Thea situation, he's also become more kind of, this is going to sound weird, compassionate, if Malcolm can, towards, T I've always said he really likes Team Arrow, but, you know, if things went wrong, he'd have to kill him, he's got to kill him. That's just practical, right? But he always, I think he has a great respect for Oliver, not only because he's been around Oliver and, you know, Oliver's... In the backstory, Oliver's been over to his house for dinner with Tommy when they were little boys. He's watched Oliver grow up. Oliver's the re is, is exactly what he wanted Tommy to be, but Tommy, unfortunately, had to go and die in an earthquake that was caused by me because he fell in love with somebody, but that's when he became the hero. So you've got, um, so there's all that kind of respect going on. So I think that's maybe the biggest thing is that Malcolm has developed a tiny little bit of a soft side and you might just have to keep watching to see where that soft side goes. Okay? Yeah. He'll always be evil, right? <laughs> but he might hug somebody <laughs> with a knife in their back. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Hi. Did you really say the quote of uh, never apologize for being nerdy? Yeah. And what was it like kissing David Tennant? David Tennant's got bad breath. It was awful. Um, it was awesome. I did say never apologize for being nerdy because non-nerdy people don't apologize for being assholes. So that is a quote of mine. <clears throat> and I, I do believe that. We should just, just, as people, we should just stop apologizing for ourselves because that's why so many of us are so kind of afraid to speak up because we're apologizing in a way and we need not do that because if somebody is rude enough to say something to you that is bad and offensive well then you have a right to say something bad and offensive to them and if they say i'm offended by that say well good because you just offended me now piss off stand up for yourself more thank you so do you much. stand up for yourself uh, see that says no not really. you need to yeah and I don't agree. be afraid. Whoever it is, family member, you don't need them. Just stand up for yourself. Unless it's your mom and dad and they're paying for college, then just be like, I love you. <laughs> and after you. they're done, like, then speak up. <laughs> no. Thank you but so you know much. what I'm saying. Good. You're welcome.
Yes. This light's blinding me. Good Hi. Morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you, Kilty? <laughs> hey, consider this your invitation to kilt blowing at Dragon Con, but anyway. To kilt blowing? Yes. Come here a minute. Do you want to sign this with me or? Sure. You got to lay down for this one, girl. Come up here. Are you true? Oh, my God, he is really. <laughs> Are you here with a significant other? My wife. Your wife. Yeah. Lucky bitch. Um, <laughs> where are you? Yay, she's got two thumbs up. Oh, more like ten. <laughs> Thank you. What, do you. what do you want to ask? So, uh, while Alex... You are so red right now. <laughs> Thank you for that, though. You're, you're quite welcome. Mm -hmm. While Alex Kingston was on Arrow... Yeah. Uh, by chance, did the two of you have any dialogue or discussions or planning about the future where we might find Captain Jack and River Song on adventures When you say planning, it's not up to us. It's up to uh, the producers of Doctor, you know, Doctor Who True. for that. But we would, Alex and I have said, we would love to do something like a special where we're both together, Captain Jack and River Song meet up. But I don't know if that will ever happen. It just means that those of you who are fans just need to email people. We'll do it. It worked with Supernatural, didn't it? Which I love. My sister gets so jealous when I take pictures of, of myself and the two boys and they're always kissing me. And I make sure I like text her the picture at like four in the morning, her time. So she, in the middle of the night, so she wakes up and then she just texts back, I effing hate you. Thank you. See you at Dragon Con. Yeah, see you see Dragon Con. Definitely. <laughs> if, you got, if you got friends, bring them too, not your wife. Love you, sweetie. I'll be like giving you three bottles of wine, you and your girlfriends, and the boys are going to go out. Know what I'm saying? Don't worry. When they come home, they'll be ready. Yes. Just ask, just ask James Monsters. Yes. Okay. Will you be in the four-way crossover, and also, how would you react to The four-way crossover is coming up. That's the 100th, isn't it? No. The four-way crossover is... It's the 100th. See? I'm in it. Then, yes, if that's what the four-way crossover is. Never done a four-way before. But how would Merlin react what? to Supergirl? Sorry? How would Merlin react to Supergirl? Um, I think he'd react to her like he reacts to everybody. Like, what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, but, or, you know, he, he'd have to take her, kind of see how she handles situations first before. But if she's one of those, like, do-gooders, he's like, all right, we need to talk. But I don't get introduced to her, so we never get to see that. Sorry, you look disappointed. Do you like Supergirl? You don't like it. Okay, sit down then. <laughs> Let's not talk about it then. Yes. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, this is more of an advice question. Advice? Yes. You're giving me advice or you're asking for? Asking for it. Okay. 
Um, I do I need to sit down and do my Dr. <laughs> Phil pose for this one? You could if you want. Okay, so here we go. Um, okay, so I'm currently in school uh, getting my degree for theater performance. Say it again. I'm currently in school getting my degree for theater performance. Yep. And after I get it and everything, I want to try it for film and TV. So I was wondering if you have any advice for like auditioning and things like that. Well, now, what we have to do here is look at what your family want and what you want. Because my gorgeous wife over there does all the work. No, just kidding. Um, I don't know. Uh, you have to question because you're getting your degree, and that's great because you're getting the training, but it really doesn't train you for very much. In the sense, when you get on a film set, it's completely different, and it's all about hitting your mark knowing your lines, you know, doing, knowing that craft, and that's on, that only comes from some sort of experience. Uh, we, you know, like I, I worked with somebody once uh, in Torchwood at all, I won't say who it was, but it was their first job ever, and uh, we're doing a scene, and they, you know, the crew are all there, we work 14-hour days or more, and they're standing there, and he comes on set, and they say, we're going to start, and are you ready? And he went, no, I just need a few minutes, and for 10 minutes he did this. <sighs> Like I could see the crew going, are you kidding me? And I went, you know, being the leading man of the show, I went, just wait a minute, I'll deal with this. And so I let him do it for 20 minutes. And then I went, we ready now? And he went, yeah. So we did the shot and that was done. And then they said, now we're going to do, you know, and cut. And he's like, okay, moving on. I'm like, no, 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 you got to do it again, dude. And he's like, okay, I just need some time to get ready. I said, I pulled him off aside and I went, that stuff is all great in school, but this is the real world. We don't do that. Just hit your marks, say your lines, look good, and these boys can be home to their families before 12. And that was it. So, it, you know, that's the kind of thing that you got to learn. And he was so thankful that I told him, because he, he came later and he said, did I make a complete ass out of myself? And I went, just a little. <laughs> but um, you got to get out and audition. Where do you live? Phoenix City, Alabama. In Alabama. You got to move out of Alabama. Oh, I plan on it. I plan on it. Because there's no film industry really in Alabama. I mean, there's a lot of work going on here in Atlanta, but generally they cast the local stuff as uh, smaller, like one-line roles, and uh, 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 um, uh, not, well, you call them extras in the country. We call them supporting artists. But the big stuff is cast out usually in Los Angeles or New York or even up in Vancouver. You got to get out there to where it's being done. But it's just hard work. Don't do it as a hobby. Commit to it and do it. It's tough. And it's long hours, but if you do well at it, you'll be so happy. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Hi. So a while back, you made a comment about someone blocking the return of Torchwood. And Stephen Moffat uh, took that to mean him, as well as everyone else in the world. Yeah. Which... And uh, he, was, he seemed a little upset. I was wondering if you had any uh, clarifications or follow-ups or just want to stir I the don't, pot a little more. I don't, but I didn't say his name. So I don't, you know, uh, that was it, really. And there, but all I know is the conversation I had with the then producers that I was told that there is something blocking it and someone blocking it. I'm not saying it's him, so don't go tweeting him, right? Just don't do that. But hey, I'm it, on your side, dude. What? I'm on your side. No, I know that. I understand that. But we want to do it the right way. And, uh, you know, but it's, there's, there is something and what I was told, and I wasn't told really what it was in so many words, but I can figure it out. But um, it's, it's a, we're going to have to, we just got to, you just got to keep, we just got to keep pushing. I'm not going to give up. I'm really not. It's too, the show's too good. 
But you guys have to, what you guys can do is, is you know, don't, don't send hate things to people. And, you know, that's, what, that's really what happened. And that wasn't really very nice. But I'm not saying you did that. I'm not saying you did that. But that happened. So maybe just, you know, write to the BBC to the heads of the BBC that you'd like the show back because we have the comic book, which is the perfect script to be picked up and moved. I mean, think about it. Why are there no Captain Jack t-shirts that are produced by the BBC and BBC Worldwide? Think about it. Why do all the stuff that people want? Why? Because I know we've put things forward. We're working with Titan Comics and we've suggested things and they go, no. And I'm like, why? Tell me why. Well, and they give me some big highfalutin answer, and no one really gives a straight answer. Why are there... Do you guys want T-shirts of Captain Jack? We put one forward, the one of him on the bomb. We're ready to go. We did it all. That's nothing offensive or anything like that. And they went, no. Email. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Now, you know what will happen? That will go out online. Yeah. I'll get calls tomorrow from producers and everybody and heads at the BBC. You can't say that. I'm like, I don't work for you anymore. <laughs> but it's the truth. You know, I'm, I'm asked a question. I'm going to answer your question. I'm not going to be some political person and talk speak around it. I'm going to give you the best answer I can, truthfully. So there you go. Email people. There you go. Yes. Why haven't you been in Green Arrow yet? Why haven't I been in Green Arrow yet? Because I'm in Legends of Tomorrow at the moment. And uh, I will be coming back into Arrow. So you just have to keep watching. Why do you miss me? You do? Oh, I love you. <laughs> I, mi I miss being in it. I do. I miss being in the show. And it's uh, uh, unfortunate. But, you know, that's the way the writing goes. And hopefully uh, I'll be back in it after Christmas, okay? Because I know I come back from the UK and I'll be filming. I, five minutes? That's it left. I've got five, like three minutes left. One more question and then I'll see if I'll... Sing. Do you have the words to your song? What? No, just the, the lyrics to your song. I'll sing it a cappella. I'll try my best. Oh, my God. Yes. Hi, John. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Um, you posted on Facebook that we need to ask you about the story that happened on your flight here. Oh, on the plane. Yes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so there was this lovely flight attendant on the plane, and I got on, and, you know, I sat. Was, I was flying 5 o'clock in the morning from Vancouver to Los Angeles. I sit down, and this other lady gets sitting next to me, and she's a little bit older, and she is kind of a little daughtery, and she is pulling things out of her bag and trying to get her suitcases up there, and she can't, and we're, we're up front. I'm fortunate to fly in the front, and she puts, she, she can't get the stuff up. She's holding the whole line of people to the rest of the plane up, and I step out, and I said, can I help you? And she said, well, and the she said to the flight attendant, can you move, can we move some of these bags to fit mine in? And the flight attendant said, we're not allowed to touch the bags. I went, what? So I get up, and I'm like, can we move the bag? She said, I'm not allowed to touch the bag. So I then had to ask all the passengers in first class if I could move their bags or their coats so I could fit this lady's bag. Meanwhile, the whole plane's being held up. The flight attendant from the back walks up and she says to me, what's going on here? Why are you holding it up? I went, hold on, sister. Because I'm doing your job. And I'm moving suitcases and da-da-da. And the girl who said it to me, she's looking at me like, I'm so sorry. She says, it's not our policy. We want to help, but we can't. It's this, the airline's policy. I went, fine, grumpy, 5 o'clock in the morning, grumpy, grumpy, put the bags up, sat down, got on Twitter, tweeted the airline, right? 
how ridiculous this was. So we take off, and five minutes later, the girl comes from the, the flight attendant, first class comes up, and she says, Mr. Barrowman, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I love Captain Jack. I've loved you since I was a kid. Da, 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 da. And I went, well, that makes me feel like a, a heel because I feel this big. I've just snapped at you, and I feel awful now. She said, no, no, no. I totally get it. She said, we have very thick skin. She said, you were doing something that we'd love to do, but we're not allowed to. I just want you to know I'm on your side. And I went, I'm on your side, girl. What do you want? She said, well, the captain loves you. I'm like, well, great. <laughs> Go into the cockpit. Awesome. <laughs> Didn't, however. He said, when we land, can I get a picture with you? And can we get a picture you know, with the pilot? I'm like, of course you can. So I did it and tweeted and da-da-da. And I apologized. And she's like, don't worry. I got an apology from the airline which is really kind of good. Delta. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I've got to wrap up here. John, Let me see. What? John, I'm sorry. Can we get one last? She's been waiting for 40 minutes. To ask She's been waiting for 40 minutes. Okay, that's all right. So there's a lot of other people. Yes, well, go ahead. Well, this is awkward. It's awkward. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, hi. Hi. Uh, I'm Ari. Can you hold it closer to yes. your mouth, please? Thank yes, you. I can. Um, I'm Ari. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Ari. Uh, I know growing up as a young millennial, Captain Jack was kind of an icon for me yeah. in terms of just being unapologetically queer. And it was really awesome. But, you know, Malcolm Merlin is cringeworthy straight. And I was, I was wondering if sometime in the future you would be looking to play another character who is LGBTQ plus again. Uh, of course, I'd, I'd love to play any character, but I don't think you should dislike a character because they're straight. Oh, I don't dislike him at Great. all. He's my favorite character okay. on the show. Okay. Great. But. Awesome. So, but just because I'm a gay man doesn't mean I always want to play gay roles. And uh, just like a lot of straight people don't want to just play straight roles. However, I, you know, I, I would love to play another LGBT. I've played other gay characters in the UK. A film director who was uh, on a show called. Um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember, with Max, um, oh, Max Beasley. What was the show? It was about a hotel, and uh, it was awesome, and I was really, I was outrageous in camp in that one. So whatever roles come along, I'll play them, whether they're, you know, Shark Hunters. Yeah, Hotel Babylon was the show. Or uh, whether there's someone like Captain Jack. I'll play, literally, I'll play with anything. play anything. Sorry. Yeah, but maybe one day. We'll see. Well, thank you for You're welcome. Do we have those lyrics or no? What? She sent them to me. All right, I'm going to try something. First of all, just to say thank you very much uh, to, to you guys. Thank you for coming. It means a lot to us for you to support uh, Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. It's for you. That's what it's all about. And you've changed my life and my husband's life, and I want to thank you for it. Here we go. I'm going to try this. Oh, my God. I can't believe I have done this. Um, let's take it from... Yeah. And you can tell everybody this is your song. It may be quiet, simple, but now that it's done, I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down in words how wonderful life is while you're in the world. Always remember that, okay? Thank you, everybody! Big round of applause for our signers, everybody. Let's do it. The way everyone, that's how we applaud. 
Signing, awesome. Turn around and get a picture of that. Look at that, a little video. Ready, one, two, three. You can still say make noise. Just because they're deaf doesn't mean you can't make noise. Thank you, everybody. So that was the full panel, as promised, of John Berriman from Heroes and Villains Atlanta. As I said, it is an experience. So if you ever have an opportunity to go to a con that he is at, uh, I highly recommend sitting into that. And I'll post video of uh, of the panel itself, too, because I know he did some dancing and such. Um, I still have to edit the video, even though it's been since November. Uh, but uh, I will get that video edited and I will post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime, uh, maybe in a week or two. I want to give people the opportunity to hear it first before you watch it. Cool. Um, awesome. But you remember now what that piece of news was that we forgot. Yes, because it was one of these things. It was just a couple of days ago when I hit, I think it came out on Thursday, Friday or something like that. But it was not through our normal sources where I found this. And that's the reason I couldn't track it down. Granted, I posted it on our Facebook page, so I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the release date for Adam West's final time as playing Batman, which is Batman versus Two-Face. We know William Shatner is playing Two-Face in this, and I love the synopsis. And the trailer is out there now for folks, too, which I still need to get off my ass. And actually, you know what? It is posted. The trailer is actually in that article. Uh, but the uh, beautiful synopsis is uh, this is not just Two-Face, but it's also Hugo Strange coming into the mix. And uh, the reason on how Two-Face comes to be, and it's this, which I just think is fantastic and very much a Batman 66 thing, is when Hugo Strange attempts to drain all of the evil out of the Gotham criminals like the Joker and the Penguin, his evil extractor explodes and sprays, wait for it, the gas- gaseous essence of villainy all over half of Dent's face. So, dear God, it this sounds corny as hell, and it- I am beyond excited. Uh, but <laughs> we do know that it's coming out on October 17th. Uh, that's when it comes out in stores. I, they did not announce the VOD date yet on it, but that's at least we know the DVD Blu-ray release date. And, so. and VOD is usually before it. Yeah, usually a couple of weeks. My guess we'll see that at the very end of September, if not the first week of October. So Yeah. So, uh, cool. So let's talk Telltale Batman. Yeah, season two. Um, I, I again... <laughs> spoilers out the wazoo for this because we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about everything but i do have to say the one thing right from the start that i didn't know they were good they were going to be doing and that i really liked is the option to import your choices and everything from the first game into this one so that the story continues on yeah now the, the big thing is i didn't get a chance to look into this and i don't know how this impacts your character or mine at this point because i don't know what that brings into the mix or anything that may potentially change. Um, now, I have seen some screenshots out, of, out out there. I mean, I don't know if this is something that you experienced or not. Uh, my Bruce Wayne had a bullet grazed through his ear. Mine did, my, too. So yep. we did see that. Now, I have seen there are versions out there with Alfred with an eye patch. So my guess is that has something to do with season one for some other people, because I have only done one playthrough so far of season one. So my guess is those are maybe some of the small things, maybe some of the relationships with some of the characters are slightly different, maybe small dialogue options that are slightly different. And I have a feeling maybe this is going to be something that plays into episode three. Uh, Now, when you obviously start this game up, if you have the season pass, you know you obviously get all of your content as they release, or you can buy them piecemeal, but they still give you 
splash screens of what is to come, and you get, like, silhouettes of what the title screen is going to be. Obviously, the one for Chapter 3 is very clear to see who is going to be involved in that. And we can say right now, and this, as far as what we know from the breakdown of all of this, from looking at the screen, this first episode deals with the Riddler. Uh, and they did such an exceptional job of this. But we know episode two from that splash screen looks like Harley Quinn, uh, Mr. Freeze, and looks like Bane. It looks like episode three is going to have something to do with the return of Catwoman, which if you played season one, she factored fairly heavily into that. And then my guess is uh, episode four and five will be heavily revolving around the Joker. So, um, so it is a big wait and see on how all of that plays out. But we can obviously dive in very heavily into the discussion of the Riddler in this one. So, Ben, how did that play out for you? I, you know what? It, this is definitely a different. When I say different, it's not drastically different, but there are definitely some different takes on the Riddler in this that I liked. I liked the fact that the Riddler in this was much older. Uh, even though physically he didn't look older, they definitely make the character out that, you know, this is before Batman's time. He is somebody who wreaked havoc on Gotham before Bruce ever became Batman, when Thomas Wayne, uh, you know, was still running Gotham. So... I like the fact that this is a character who's well-established, he's not anybody new, and he's been around for a while. Yeah, I would say Edward Nygma seems like he's probably in his mid-50s based off of this game. Yeah, that's that's, that's probably what I would, would assume as well. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I was already happy with the take on the Riddler. And I, I like the fact, too, that one of the things that this game does, they did it with the Penguin and now they're doing it with the Riddler, is that they're not making the Riddler all jokey. Um, you know, and like... He, Yes, he still deals in riddles, uh, in which I solved one of them right away, I want to add. Um, mm-hmm. but, I had a couple, too. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, that's my thing with the Joker. Anytime I, I see an iteration of the, of the, of the Riddler, rather, uh, anytime I see an iteration with the, rad, with the Riddler and I hear a riddle, I, my mind automatically goes to work and tries to solve it before the writers put the solution out there. Um, so, But I like the fact that he's not like... Um, um, like cheesy riddleish like he is a demented character um you know there's the jim carrey version obviously uh and there's the uh i forget the actor who played him in the the adam west um uh the frank gorshin yeah 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 you know they're very jokey and they're they're very cheesy and and such but this is a very serious take on the riddler uh, this feels very similar to the animated series uh, when you first see uh his first appearances is uh if you're so smart why aren't you rich uh, that episode where you see the the riddler uh the riddle of the minotaur maze um it, it, it's that very twisted take of this character and i really love that interpretation of him kind of very similar to how we see him in the comics um but i love that version too i absolutely agree this is that makes him sinister and kind of creepy and uh, they kind of take a jigsaw approach almost to yeah. this one. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, the riddles are very much revolving around death traps. And those death traps are very, very Saw-esque and very jigsaw-esque. And I really thought that was a very smart take for this character, and I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's a shame that we're not going to get any more of them, spoiler, uh, into the next episodes. But um, I think in the time that we had him, the story played out really well. One of the things I got to give them a lot of credit for, too, is very unlike season one, this episode, for the most part, felt like a one-off comic. And I really liked that. Obviously, ties to bigger things to come, but... It felt like a closed chapter, 
And I thought that was a really smart idea. Obviously, you know where things are going to go, but the big ramifications that happen in this one, and let's get to this out of the way, because it's one of the things I really commend uh, and I loved about season one of Telltale is how much they're willing to change about Batman history and lore. Uh, season one, we saw them basically make Thomas Wayne a mob boss, like very heavily involved in the criminal underground of Gotham and being a part of that and watching Bruce have to deal with the fact and the ramifications of his father being somebody dirty. And in this one, they bump off a major character that is very integral to Bruce Wayne yeah. and Batman's life. And I did not expect or see it coming. And that's the death of Lucius Fox in episode one. Yeah. And I love the fact that they are not afraid to make gutsy calls like this, killing characters like the Riddler in the end of episode one. All these things make this interesting because no one feels safe. And it's something really fantastic and interesting with what they're doing with this. And it makes me a lot more excited for this season than I think it did season one. Because when they were unveiling Thomas and Martha's past, and I'm like, they're going to, we're going to find out that it's something completely different, and somebody's setting them up as they even kind of view in the game. Uh, and at the end, we're like, nope, that's not the case at all. Um, but when they do that right from the bat, you know everything is not sacred when season two starts, and they show it to you right off the bat, and that was very smart. Well, not only that, but I mean, you mentioned that, you know, the killing off of major characters. We got the death of Lucius Fox. We got the death of Riddler. This is still just episode one. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're willing to kill off the Riddler and Lucius, like, who's to say, you know, obviously we know Bruce is going to make it through, but, you know, who's to say that Alfred couldn't be on the chopping block? Who's to say that Commissioner Gordon couldn't be on the chopping block? You know, especially with the introduction of characters like Amanda Waller into this as well. Um, and it's funny, too, that you mentioned, uh, you know, how this feels like a one-off. <clears throat> the the length of this of this episode, I think, I you know, I think it took me about two and a half hours. I think you mentioned maybe like around three. So two and a half, three hours, uh, which is a lot of playtime for one of these episodes, considering some of the ones from season one were maybe an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. They were they were quick playthroughs. Um, but there were times, no joke, that I was playing through this and it would, it would go on to the next part of the, the, to the chapter. And I seriously for a moment thought, holy shit, did I somehow get a glitch and I'm able to play all five episodes at once? <laughs> because this is really long. I mean, and, and like I said, again, two hours, may, two and a half, you know, with three, whatever it may take you to go through this. I mean, obviously it t depends if you're reading all the dossier files and all these little things, which I was doing, which I did too. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's a nice testament to this because again, it, they felt like they were setting up Riddler as the big bad for the season. Uh, with the exception of one other character that appears during a funeral scene, uh, where you're like, okay, this is going to get interesting. Yeah. But when Riddler was closed off by the end of the chapter, I'm like, I am really excited to see where this goes. But again, I mean, you know, one of the things I, I was really kind of excited about in this one, too, was it felt like they balanced things that weren't quite balanced in season one, especially near the end. Instead, oh, you're still doing the whole linking evidence together. And obviously it was a lot more cut and dry in this one. I don't think you had to really think through too, too much. Everything felt very clear. Now, granted, there was a couple things that I think if you didn't pay attention to or, you know, look at in depth when they were happening, it was really easy to die in a couple sequences that I think um, still has a some 
it, it's still a little telling that Telltale has some work to do still with their game mechanics uh, here and there. I actually did. I did die once. Yeah, there's some. There's a couple <clears throat> cheap deaths that I think can happen because of they they do make their their functionality feel a little odd at times. Where hey, uh, this this cursor doesn't really show exactly where it needs to. Uh, things like that that I think showed up originally in the big Two-Face fight in, I think, episode four of season one. Uh, some of those things kind of do rear their heads here. But as far as glitches, animation bugs, I- I'm very happy to say they were not prevalent or I didn't see any actually in no. my playthrough this time. No, neither did I. And, <clears throat> and you and I are actually playing on separate consoles. You're playing this on PS4. I'm playing this on Xbox One. And it was the same thing on Xbox One. Uh, I, I, there was there was no glitching this time around. Everything ran pretty smooth. Yeah, I, uh, to be fair, too, I'm playing this on the PS4 Pro. So I don't know if standard PS4 if there are any. But as far as the pro mode, is, uh, pro mode version, uh, that did work perfectly fine. Um, so I know there's definitely been some games out there where the pro mode has not worked as well as the original because of some problems with optimization. But uh, no problems at all on Pro. Um, and I didn't notice any other kind of changes or anything like that. But uh, it, it looked it looked really great. No stuttering, no missing characters on screen, uh, no slowdown, which is notorious in a lot of these Telltale games um, at all. So look, I'm really happy to see that they took their time with this one. Look so. at you all, PlayStation Pro. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to get a, uh, a 4K TV, and I just haven't done it yet. So. <laughs> I'm just um, messing and... with you anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, I will say um, I'm very, very happy that Telltale seems like they took their time for the first time in a long time uh, with one of these releases, and uh, no glitches, which is great to see. I'm very, very happy to see that you know the the chinks in the armor are not showing this time. Yeah, and and it looks to me too like the the difference between season one and season two is where season one focused more on three characters, you know, Catwoman, uh, Lady Arkham, and uh, Two Face, and Penguin. So four characters. Um, it seems like we're going to be getting a lot more this season than just yeah. three or four characters. Uh, you know, as we've already gotten Riddler, we've already gotten Amanda Waller. Um, we we we're getting the beginnings of the Joker, so we're already three characters in. We got a mention of Harley Quinn before the end of this. As you mentioned, the silhouettes. We see Bane. We see Mister Freeze. So we're already going to be going into more characters than we got last season, and I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I got to say too, and I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but the the new voice actor that they're using that we saw from season one as well that returned for John Doe, aka the Joker in this, uh, also had done a role previously in another game that a lot of people have probably played, which is Borderlands, and he was Handsome Jack in Borderlands. But uh, he and his return in uh, episode one of season two was the Joker during the funeral scene for Lucius Fox is such an amazingly written moment in the game and i think it's so great just watching this character who is mentally not there and you know he's just psychotic and psycho but his infatuation with bruce as quote-unquote a friend uh is very interesting and i love the the get well soon card that he gives him at the funeral the the you know basically like i hope you feel better soon about the death of your friend all these little things um It was such a great role, and I can't wait to see him fully evolve to the Joker by the end of this. I think that's exactly what we're going to see here, and I think that is something phenomenal. Well, it's Um, did you say it was a different voice actor than Episode One? Because no, it's I said it's the same. I said it's it's somebody that's taking on the role. I mean, as far as his character, like we saw him in you know Episode I think four of you know Telltale Season One, 
but it's the same one obviously here but it's, yeah, it's yeah. you know we're, we're really getting to see him kind of get to play this character not just kind of like it just feels like what feels like a very quick cameo and did you uh, say, did you say he did another video game yes uh he is he's kind of the lead big bad of the borderland series uh he but, that's not listed really I, so it I is somebody it, different it's somebody maybe. different Oh, but it sounds like he it sounds almost identical to the same voice, but if that's the case, man, uh the <clears throat> this actor is doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So uh but yeah, it sounds just like the handsome Jack voice from Tales from the Borderlands that Telltale also did. Yeah. Um which has but yeah, it's uh fantastic. So yeah, sorry Owen getting the facts wrong on that one, but yeah, he's <laughs> uh he he's doing an amazing job here and I, I think he's going to be the one to watch through the play out of this as far as the voice actors go so uh yeah i'm looking through uh borderlands the sequel handsome jack is that yeah handsome jack is damian clark uh did the voice of handsome jack whereas um anthony ingruber did the voice of the joker okay so yeah two different actors very very similar voice tones too so but yeah like i said uh i'm very happy to that this person seems very up to the task because that is a role that is very difficult to do, especially with how many amazing voice actors there have been. But this is one I'm really excited to see. Very, very excited to see. Um, I think before we wrap things up with this, let's talk a little bit about some of the choices that we made uh, throughout the game. I think one of them that I'm curious about because my choice is when they give you the rankings at the end and they give you your percentage, mine actually tended to go along with a lot of a majority of the other people's. Um, one of them was pretty 50, 50, I think it was like 51, 49%. Um, but as far as, uh, your choices went, I'll ask this, did you, did your loyalties lie with Amanda Waller or did your loyalties lie with Commissioner Gordon? I'm sure I felt the same place that everybody else did. And that was Gordon. Yeah, me <laughs> so, too. All right. Now, one of the other ones, and this is a big question for you too, is, um, actually kind of. Not even just those choices, but where certain characters fell. Because this is something new for Telltale, as far as what certain characters' motivations became. And that's something new that they're showing. My Alfred was vengeful uh, yeah. by the end of the episode. Mine was as well. Uh, and then, like I said, I had a stalwart kind of like, um, you know, person by my side by the way Gordon is. And a Waller was furious um, or, you know, reluctant or whatever it was. And then Tiffany, Lucius Fox's daughter, hates my guts. Mine too. <laughs> so, but the big one I had was, uh, I think the one at the end, because my choice only 17% of players went with. And that was saving the female detective. I did that. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. I saved the agents. Yeah, I saved the female detective from being killed. And she is kind of remorseful and that she survived over the other agents. Well, here's the question, though, because I didn't get that ending. When you save her, do the other agents die? Yes. Oh, see, that's not how it plays out if you save the agents. If you save the agents, she doesn't die. Really? No, she yeah. she goes deaf from another uh, one of those sonic things. Um, she can't hear anything by the end of it, but, um, uh, yeah, she does not die. She is still alive. Yeah, my, my for my playthrough uh yeah her partner's head was cut off and uh the other one they allude that he's dead as well but you don't see the other agent's death but she is the only one that's left of that mix she can still hear fine but she definitely seems like she's going through some ptsd yeah i would expect so (laughs) So, um (laughs) but it was quite interesting uh on how things played out so she was actually the one that 
response to the Riddler's final question as Bruce is looking at the ways to take him down. So, and she is the actual distraction point, which was interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I, I'm waiting until I play through all five episodes before I go back and replay through everything again. Well, what I'm going to do, and I'm going to wait until the game's finale comes out, but I actually have been taking screenshots of where all my characters fall and all of my and my choice screens, and I already have them on my PC in a folder that says Season 2, Episode 1, and then I'm going to do the same for all the other seasons. So when we get to the final end, I will warn people. I will put a gallery up of exactly where my choices fell for everybody, but we'll give it a couple of weeks after the game comes out. But uh, I know some people may not be happy with that. I might try to, you know, put it through a filter and cover up a couple names. But at least you can see where my choice percentages fell. Where it's kind of like after the death of and all this maybe black out or put a little redacted centered bar or a filtration over so you can't see some specifics. But you can at least see where all those fall. And if I get a chance, maybe I actually might do that beforehand uh, in a week or two. And it'll block out some key points. But at least you can see a couple things. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I think um, it's pretty clear that our recommendation for this episode is, if you haven't already, play Batman Enemy Within, because um, yeah. it's it's amazing. It's We're off to a great start with this first episode. And I wouldn't be surprised if the second episode sneaks out in a month. Um, they did a great job of getting the other ones and matching and meeting their normal goal of hitting an episode a month, which is usually not very common with Telltale in the past. We've seen that change with things like Minecraft uh, and Batman. So the big hope is that they're actually hitting those marks. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if they've been doing that with Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. But uh, it's a big wait and see. So. Yeah. But uh, I would expect that we'll be talking again about this uh, probably very early September. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, cool. So let's do some cheap plugs and then we will uh, be on our way. Uh, you can hear me as well as, um, uh, on my co-host Adam on the showcast spotlight here on the next level podcast network, next level radio online.com. Uh, just to give you a, a quick, that is our is celebrity interview podcast <clears throat> in which we've talked to a number of people from the Arrowverse. Uh, you know, Paul Blackthorne, uh, James Banford, uh, God, Katrina Law, so many uh, that I can't keep track of them all. Teddy Sears. Uh, upcoming, we will be speaking to comedian Ben Bailey. That's gonna be, He's going to be returning to the podcast. He's going to talk to us about Cash Cab uh, and his return to the show, which I think the show has already started. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but again, nextlevelradioonline.com or facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And then, of course, you can find our Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Primetime. Uh, yes, and as always, you can find me at the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods as well, which is also on nextlevelradioonline.com. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Harry Potter episode will be up in just a couple days. Um, it was actually, again, one of my favorites. And our new cast member, Jada, that's been in for a little while now, uh, has been such a great addition to it as well. Um, I love the fact that we've been seeing such a uh, a great big uptick as far as the quality, I think, of the episodes. Audio quality, we still need to work on. I think I need to prep to get some new gear. But I know quite a few people that have new, new listeners have uh, talked to us and said uh, they've been really enjoying uh, the change. So I uh, really hope you guys have been enjoying that, too. But I'm excited for you guys to hear this upcoming episode. I want to listen to it again because it was just a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, like I said, I think I'm trying to remember everything we kind of went into, but like I said, it was like kind of like a 
why has the fandom endured? Some of our favorite spells, <clears throat> favorite characters, the, the roughest, harshest moments, you know, and, and, and all these little things for us. But it was it was such a blast to discuss. I'm I'm still sticking to my theory that Dumbledore is a human embodiment of a phoenix and will return. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's a wait and see. <laughs> so. Uh, but also, uh, one thank, uh, special thanks we also have to give because we are out of the annuals right now. Well, we got another one still to do. Uh, but that is a big special thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music. We thank him each and every episode. That's a normal episode for his tunes that you get to hear. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of, what are we going to do next week? What are we going to do tonight, Brain? Oh, God. <laughs> try, try to take a nap. <laughs> um, what are our plans for next week? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we yeah. talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, which is really funny, and we totally forgot. Yeah. Um, we actually need to reach out to Shad and see when he would like to do his other video game episode, which is talking about the Arkham series. So, Shad, if you can do us a favor, I know you'll listen to this. Shoot us a message or we'll shoot you a message and we'll try to hash that out and get that planned very, very, very soon. Um, now, next week, uh, that might be something you and me need to discuss. If not, we're going to make this podcast about an hour longer than it needs to be. So, <laughs> um, but next week, we will definitely have some form of content for you. Uh, we'll probably post it on the Facebook page. Uh, yeah. I know we've been talking about doing Invasion and looking at Invasion as a whole again. You Maybe know what? Just, I, I was going to say, let's just do that because I've been I've been itching to rewatch Invasion anyway. So I'll do that this week. And yeah, well, <clears throat> we're gonna re- we're gonna go back into Invasion next week, and we'll dive a little deeper into it since we'll focus the podcast just on Invasion uh, and and see where we fall after watching it again. Yeah, see if it holds up on a second viewing, and then uh, I, I believe uh, I. If memory serves correctly, Batman... Oh, actually, I do know what we're supposed to also talk about next week. Batman and Harley Quinn comes out on VOD, Ooh. I believe, this Tuesday. Uh, so that will be maybe another review that we'll have to do. So maybe we'll do Invasion and that together, because uh, we'll definitely be talking to Shad soon. I think we're going to try to get a couple other listeners in... Or not listeners in, but maybe another guest or two in, uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. We have a Silver Age uh, episode to do again soon. And then uh, we're getting close to uh, premieres, not that far after. So we will only will have a month and usually at least an episode or two beforehand. We talk predictions for the season in full. So, And we still have to do Gotham, guys. So plenty to talk about still. Yeah, and dude, I'm so psyched because Drew has been posting pictures of his training. Dude, he's training to play Solomon Grandi. That's exciting. I am so, so psyched. And he will for sure... Be it Heroes and Villains, New York, New Jersey, and I've already reached out to him. Hopefully, we're going to do something. I think we're going to do something on Facebook Live while we're there at his booth. So we'll we'll share more details of that as we get closer. Don't forget to make that cup stay gold. I know, <laughs> so. got to. So, uh, but yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's discussion of Batman Telltale and the John Barrowman panel. Uh, we hope you guys had fun. Thank you for being a part of our DC Primetime family and part of the Next Level family at the same time. Uh, we encourage you to share. Thank you for commenting, subscribing, all that jazz that you do. But until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.